This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And good afternoon, good morning, depending on where you are. Welcome once again to the program. Uh, Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk a lot about a number of things, and a lot of it revolves around the Ivan Provorov situation that saw itself play itself out yesterday before the Philadelphia Flyers Anaheim Ducks game on Pride Night in Philly. Going to talk to Bain Pettinger, um, who disclosed his sexuality in 2020. Um, He works at CAA Creative Artists. Uh, he'll talk to us at the bottom of the hour. Joey Kenward will drop by in hour two as well. We'll talk about Gino Ojek. Uh, tonight, the Vancouver Canucks will honor him. And Greg Wyshynski of ESPN will stop by as well. Uh, in the meantime, it is a rare treat. And I say that half tongue-in-cheek with Elliot Friedman joining me here live in studio, Elliot. Is this just because we're interviewing Connor Hallibuck a little bit later on in a downtown Toronto hotel that you're aboard? Or are you just happy to see me today, Elliot? It's I thought not, you'd come in. It's not B. Okay, very it's, good. It's not B. It, it's closer to A. It's 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 definitely not B. There's a lot to get to, and I want to do Paul Maurice here in a couple of moments and play some of the comments that we heard from Maurice after his Florida Panthers lost in overtime against the Maple Leafs last night, a game that you worked with Anthony Stewart and mm-hmm. David Amber. In the meantime, the big story. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately. Unfortunately, this is the big story. Um, uh, and, and the NHL, by the way, has just issued comment on the Provorov situation, and I'll read it out to our listeners slash viewers. Quote, hockey is for everyone is the umbrella initiative under which the league encourages clubs to celebrate the diversity that exists in their respective markets and to work to achieve more welcoming and inclusive environments for all fans. Clubs decide whom to celebrate, when and how, with league counsel and support. Players are free to decide which initiatives to support and we continue to encourage their voices and perspectives on social and cultural issues. Before we get to that comment from the National Hockey League, mm-hmm. your thoughts on what we saw last night. Ivan Provorov uh, would not wear the Pride jersey in warm-up, wasn't scratched, played the game, uh, spoke briefly to reporters afterwards, citing uh, his religion. Uh, he is Russian Orthodox and then refusing to answer questions or go any more in-depth about his decision uh, to boycott Pride night yesterday. Walk us through your evening and what happened. Because my first thought was, okay, Provorov is scratched or uh-huh. there's a health issue, and then it became obvious it's much it's much different than that. Well, I think the first thing to say is that, uh, you know, I saw Aaron Ambrose's tweet last night. I, saw some, I, I spoke to some other members of the LGBTQ community, and they were hurting, and I, I don't like that. Um, I, I don't like to see people hurting. I don't like to see people feel excluded. Um, you know, I, I want, I want people, no matter where they come from or, um, who they are to feel like they belong in hockey and should be encouraged to be a fan of hockey. So when people feel not included, I don't like that. And that's the first thing I think of when, uh, uh, everything was going on last night and, and, and the true news came out. So, you know, the first thing I think about are people who feel excluded. I, I can't stand it, really. Um, you know, Provorov's stance is not one that I personally agree with. Um, you know, the first thing that it happened was their warm-up was at the same time we were on for the pregame show. Yep. And someone sent me a note just as the Toronto-Florida game was starting saying something weird is going on here because Provorov didn't take the warm-up and he's playing. And the last time I remember that happening, because it doesn't happen very often, was in the Stanley Cup final in 2013 between Chicago and Boston mm-hmm. when Marion Hossa took the warm-up, Ben Smith didn't, 
And then Hosa said he couldn't play. And Smith, who'd earlier that day gone to lunch with his mom, yeah. uh, had to rush into the game. So that was the first thing I wondered. Did did someone get hurt? Um, <laughs> did Were the Flyers threatening to bench Provorov for some reason and then change the mind? And then during the game, the rumors started to come out. And uh, I was going to wait to see what Provorov said post-game. The Flyers decided to preempt it and and come out with their own statement, which which Frank had up first, Saravelli. Um, and you you know I mean, I mean, you know, like I said, my my first reaction was for people who would feel excluded. I I don't like to see that happen. I really don't like to see that happen. I I think the you know the the look there. The as far as we know, this is the first player who's done this. You know, the vast majority of players have worn it. And if I was a player, I would wear it. And I, I hope that, you know, for, for I, I like, the, so the one thing I, I think is I, I hope people who are part of the LGBTQ community uh, feel that the vast majority of people do support it. So it's a good thing, but you know, one doesn't, that's the big story. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate about whether or not the Flyers should have benched him. There's a lot of lawyers who work for the NHL, the Players Association, and Comcast, which is the majority owner of the Flyers. I, I have to think that they investigated that. Uh, I Play, Playing him or not? Because yes. the, the one thought that I had about it last night when it became obvious what was happening here was we've seen players scratched mm-hmm. for being late to a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, private team matter, the yep. player was scratched, etc. Um, so we have seen various excuses used to scratch players before. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a team initiative. Mm-hmm. This is something endorsed by the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. It means a lot to a lot of those Flyers players. Mm-hmm. And the two that stand out, not that they all don't, but the two that really stand out are Scott Lawton and James Yeah, Van they Kingside. did. There was a really good story on NHL.com about it yesterday. I retweeted. So I looked at that situation and said, We've seen players scratched for other reasons. Yep. Does this not fall under the same umbrella? This is a team initiative. I, I, I don't think so. I, 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 and the reason I don't think so is there's a couple reasons. Number one, like I said, um, there's a lot of lawyers who work for the NHL, the Players Association, and Comcast. Mm-hmm. There's no way they didn't run it through everybody there. No way. No way. Um, that's and And number two... The Tampa Bay Rays in, in June had a had a night where they wore pride uniforms and five of their pitchers didn't wear them. Mm-hmm. And they made similar comments uh, to Pro... They went into much... Sorry, I shouldn't say that. They didn't make similar comments to Provorov. They had some similar reasoning, but they spoke much more at length about it. I would, in, I would advise or encourage every, anyone who wants to research it to go read their comments, but the bottom line is they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't face any penalty in terms of not playing. And there was also a women's soccer player, the NWSL, uh, in uh, the summer um, who uh, said the same thing, did not want to play a game, did not want to wear a team's pride jerseys in the NWSL, and she actually didn't play uh, that game. Uh, they said it was her choice not to play, I haven't, obviously, I don't know the individual person uh, personally, uh, but that was the, those are the quotes at the time. 
So I, I really, I have to think, Jeff, that they ran this up the flagpole legal-wise mm -hmm. and were probably told they couldn't do it. You see, that's why, and I was talking to someone about this last night and this morning as well, this is why it took so long for the NHL to comment on this. I know there was a, a large hue and cry last night on social media. Why is it taking the NHL so long to, to issue a comment about this? And in speaking to someone today, I was told, like, look, this happens at night. There are a lot of lawyers to go through as well. There are conversations maybe with the player's agent as well. We don't know the player's association. Like, there are a number of levels this needs to go to. Yep. And then we got this note today, uh, the Hockey is for, for Everyone note from the NHL today, which essentially says, if you read in between the lines on it, we're powerless to do anything about this. Yep. We, we can't. Do they find it distasteful? I'm sure. Um, the NHL has gone a long way, and a lot of this initiative is run by Kim Davis, um, you know, heading up diversion and, and inclusivity with the NHL. You know, they've gone a, a long way to making hockey a more open environment and welcoming environment mm -hmm. for equity-seeking groups, groups that have been shut out for a number of years from the sport. But in this one situation, as distasteful as Pretty much, the, you know, the, as you mentioned, the lion's share of people all around here find this. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that can be really done. No, I, like I said, I I really do believe, Jeff, that if there was something they could have done, they would have done it last night. Here, here's the one thing that I do wonder about now. What happens in that room? Whether it's Lawton, whether it's James Van Riemsdyk, whether it's anybody else. Like I was thinking, like going to bed last night, I'm thinking, you know, what if there's a, a player who's in the closet on the Philadelphia Flyers mm -hmm. or someone in the organization and this happens? Um someone with a, a close relative or a close friend, et, et cetera. Like what's going through their mind? And, you know, I, I wonder how much, you know, of a division this could create in that room as well. Well, I, I don't even think you need to talk about that hypothetical. I think you just need to take a look and see that everybody else wore it except him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, I, the relationship between Provorov and his, and his teammates is strained to begin with. That's one of the reasons we are where we are, where... You know, we reported a couple weeks ago that um, at the very least, he's indicated he wouldn't, he hasn't actually asked for a trade. Yeah. He, he has indicated he wouldn't mind one. And I, and I think the Flyers are kind of in that position too. They wouldn't mind it either. So I don't think this helps the situation. I mean, all you had to do was read uh, Lawton's quotes last night. And, uh, you know, I, I, I did want to give credit to... Uh, uh, Gia Han, who's one of the reporters yes. for the Philadelphia, because we were watching her Twitter feed mm -hmm. uh, the whole night just to see, you know, what was said so we could get some greater understanding or context of what was going on out there. And, um, you know, I mean, we saw what Lawton said. I mean, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to read between the lines. He wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, like, a lot of other guys weren't happy. Everybody else wore it. And... Um, you know, Jeff, again, at the end of the day, I, I only judge others as I judge myself. And I want people to feel that they, no matter where you come from or what your background is, um, that you, if you want to watch hockey, you're welcome to watch hockey. Like, I want that. That's that's what I want. Play hockey. Watch, watch hockey. hockey. Play be involved, hockey. Be involved, be involved at in hockey. various levels, not on the ice. Whatever. Off, all yeah. of it. I, I want to work in it. I want you to feel like you belong. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't like that there are people today questioning that. I, I don't like it. 
one one final note, and this is about Ivan Provorov, the hockey player, and as we've discussed on the podcast a number of times, and I, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, we said it, it sounds like it's time that there needs to be a break here. I'm one, Does this make him untradeable? I, I think it's very hard. <laughs> I never like to say untradeable. Um, I've had that, you know, I mean, <coughs> excuse me, Jeff, and excuse me, audience. When we're talking about this thing, this is like the fifth or sixth thing you talk about. No, I know. Yeah, but this is not. This is not. It's not. Case, it's, it's not number it's, one. It's, but it. But it is. But a it thing. is a thing. And you know, eventually, after a few minutes, you you have the of the conversation about just the whole situation. Then you get down to okay, what does this mean? And you know, one of the things that there's certain, at the very least, there's certain places and teams that would would say not a chance now. Like, there's just no way. Yep. And I think it makes it extremely difficult, if not impossible. Now, I did have some people who disagreed with me. I don't know if I buy it, but I, I think it makes it very, very hard. Uh, okay. Uh, shifting gears, although this conversation isn't over, I'll talk to Bain Pettinger of CAA at the bottom of the hour here. Um, more on that situation. In the meantime, I want to play a couple of clips for you. Sure. We all heard this yesterday. This is Paul Maurice, head coach of the Florida Panthers, after a disappointing loss. And we don't know if there's a fine on the horizon. We maybe suspect that there is. We've seen other coaches uh, fined for similar outbursts. This is Paul Maurice at the conclusion of yesterday's game as the Maple Leafs beat the Panthers in overtime. Well, there'll always be penalties that you take in your game you earn. There's a whole bunch you're not going to like at all. I thought we had the inordinate share of those. Um, hard to describe the call. Usually at least they have enough there to argue. Come over and say, yeah, the stick got up. or the Radko Gudis hits as clean a hit as you can level stick on stick, body on body. Out of charge, they're both going in the same direction. No problem with the guy going to the net at all. That's hockey. But that's, there's... I don't, I don't know what the hell those guys were doing tonight, but it wasn't uh, Florida Panther friendly. As a coach, what's your message in a game like that? With so many penalties in the first two periods, and then the whistles seem to go away a little bit. Like, 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 <laughs> no. What's your advice to your players? No, I just explained to them. They had nothing to do with my players. It had to do with me and a relationship that I have with one of the referees. That's what that was all about. So just go out, keep your mouth shut, and play the game. Uh, Francois Saint Laurent, Pierre Lambert, the uh, two officials in yesterday's game. Now, listen, we've seen coaches fine. Specifically, we saw Sheldon Keefe uh, late December in the game against the St. Louis Blues, twenty five thousand dollars later. We've seen Daryl Sutter not fined for comments, essentially alleging that officials are are in the bag for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What happens here with with Paul Maurice? You think? Well, well uh, like th- to me, that was like he's going to get fined. I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's that was a crazily officiated game last night. Like that was wild. I, I still don't understand what happened with that stick thing. Okay, so the stick thing. <laughs> like was, I watched it again, and so I'm like, Bennett, what, what ben, happened here? Bennett got the original call. Yeah, and then they conferred. Bennett comes out of the box. Timothy Lilligren goes in. The allegation that he kicked the stick to the goaltender when really it was Pierre Engvall. Yeah, <laughs> who did it. I well to me the one and I'll say this Anthony who played in the NHL disagreed with me but that Gudis did not commit a penalty there the one of oh, Aston uh, recently yeah, 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 into yeah, yeah. the net yeah no, no no that that was not a penalty no. like you don't want that getting called a penalty because in the playoffs there will be no five on five time mm-hmm. but uh, I mean look he's right it was a weirdly officiated game. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I, I'm, I'm betting the league is going to say, you know, you can't be going public with this referee has a vendetta against me. Yeah. But I would be curious to know. I'm sure somebody's done. Maybe it's scouting the refs or something. I would be curious to see if there's something there. You know, one of the things that Scouting the Refs does, and that is a website and a, and a Twitter feed, which is, is excellent. They do a fantastic job. And what they do, and I don't know that I necessarily like this for what it implies, but what the things they do is they give out the team's record when certain officials officiate. Now, the most— You don't think teams keep track of that? The, of course they do. It's so just, I don't it's have a, a problem with that. Well, you know what? There was, there was one, Art Skov. Okay, oh so legendary God. officials. Story time with Jeff. Here we go. Story, but it's the Philadelphia Flyers. I remember yeah. talking to um, M.L. Francis about this when he ran the New York Rangers. And I know you're a big Rangers fan from that era as well, mm-hmm, so you'll mm-hmm, like this story. Mm-hmm. So uh, Francis told me one of the more despicable things he ever saw in hockey. His Rangers were playing at the Spectrum against Ed Snyder's Philadelphia Flyers. And on the Jumbotron... They announced who the official was. This is one referee system, and it was Art. Yeah. And then, and then the, the the point that they made afterwards, and here's the Philadelphia Flyers record when he officiates, and it's like 32-1 and one or so, <laughs> something like that, and a big ovation for the and, – and there's Cat standing behind the Rangers bench saying, you got to be kidding me. Like, they're talking about how the Flyers don't lose um, when, when Art is officiating the game. Although, I know the teams keep track of that. And scouting the refs does as well. That was one of the first places when I first broke in and covered basketball, I learned that teams had officials. Oh, for had sure. books on all the officials. This is our record. Yeah. And not only that, but this is what they like to call. This is what they look for. Oh, you're always getting told that as a player. Yeah. This guy looks for this call. This guy looks yep. for that call. I like this, that this, stuff. this is the, this yeah. is the history. That's the uh, the game within the game. How did you see that game? By the way, and I, I thought you're if you're, no, I if thought you're, you're Florida, you got to win that. You do. You're up two pucks, and you're chasing a goaltender. Um, I thought the uh, the the Samsonov save on Carter Verhage was mm-hmm. maybe the, the 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 play of the night. Yeah. Um, but you brought up a really interesting point about Matt Murray and the lean to the right. <clears throat> so so someone sent me a note about this, and I asked a couple people, and you know they said there's something there. So like I'm not a goalie expert, and we you know Anthony and and Dave made a really good point. We have 96,000 goalie analysts on this network, and none of them were working the game last night. <laughs> okay, I'm pause. So what I'm talking about is, so the note yes. that you had was Matt Murray has a tendency to lean to the right on shots, therefore exposing essentially his glove hand. I thought Anthony's was pretty funny. Maybe his glove hand has weights in it or something yeah. like that. It's the heaviest glove in the NHL. Anyhow, continue. And some of it was like the puck is is on that side, so you're kind of you expect him to lean that way. But the point <coughs> the point this person was making is that um, that when he's facing a shot or he's trying to look through traffic, he has a natural tendency to lean to the right side. So if you can put it left, you can put it in. And there are some there are some where he's guys are on his blocker side and they're beating him high to the glove in places mm. they should in angles they shouldn't be scoring. And there was there was one of them last night. The uh, I think the three two goal was a perfect example of that. And then there was one with Vince Dunn against Seattle, your your guy Vince Dunn, mm-hmm. where he shot from the point and he was looking through traffic and he leaned right mm-hmm. and Dunn shot left and, and beat him clean. Dunn scored again last night, by the way. Okay. So I sent uh, a couple of uh, I, I sent a couple notes to some guys I, I know who really know goaltending well. 
And one of them, you watch, know, watch the camera behind you. Oh, scroll through your yeah, text. That's you. up. Uh, <laughs> don't, Jen, don't switch to that one, okay? Uh, thank you, thank you very much for that, uh, Jen. <laughs> no problem. So he Spend says, my life he, protecting you from yourself. He doesn't lean towards his blocker. He pulls his blocker elbow back, which pulls that blocker side shoulder back, which makes his torso rotate to the right. That locks to his right side and doesn't allow him to move freely to his left. So there is. Huh. Something there. There is something there. Which is interesting because normally on, on block shots, what we're seeing now, and again, not a goalie expert here, but people that I've talked to from the community will talk about how goaltenders now try to look over, look over crowds so they don't do exactly what you're saying because you look around, you're compromising one spot. You create a blind spot for yourself or you create some open mesh. So a lot of guys look, oh, and Matt Murray's a tall goaltender. Mm -hmm. He has the ability. Uh, to uh, to look over. So, so anyway, that was interesting. Uh, the one thing is, uh, I like when I threw that out there. I want everyone to judge for themselves. So, people saw what they saw. All right, um, and we saw William Nylander with a really nice overtime goal. Uh, William Nylander almost score on the penalty shot as well. Now, you work with uh, with Anthony Stewart on the Maple Leafs regional games and David Amber, and you know Stewie's always had this love hate oh, relationship loves, with Nylander. He loves and Nylander. The, the Nylander thals as well. So that's always an interesting sidebar to Maple Leafs games with you guys. Um, I did mention, well, you mentioned, I amplified Vince Dunn there a couple of seconds ago. Seattle loses their second game in a row. Edmonton wins five to two is the final score. Uh, Zach Hyman with three points, and it's the return of Evander Kane. Mm hmm. Other than the obvious, which is a really good hockey player, what does Edmonton now have once again with Evander Kane back in the lineup? Is it just the obvious? They got a good player and no one's going to get taken advantage of physically? I, I think there's that, but I, I think also there's always, you always get a lift when a player comes back. Yeah. And I think the thing that Kane did here that deserves the most credit is he's back early. Like players recognize that. They're like, this is, this is a guy who's committed to us. Can I share a theory that I have with you? Yeah. Teams now, more so than yeah, ever... Yeah, I, I know where you're going. You're right. ...are going, like, yeah. a month extra. Like, it's not... Because once upon a time, it was just... Like, you remember when Daniel Alfredson would get injured? Yeah. And it'd be like, oh, he's out for four months, and he's back in two, and we're like, wow, nobody... This guy's Wolverine. No one heals quicker than than Daniel Alfredson. I just yeah, wonder how fair. much teams over overshoot. I can't argue with that, because I think they do do it. But uh, the the general point I'm making is that he he tried to get back as quick as he could. Like he didn't lollygag didn't dog it. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. like Bull Durham lollygag <laughs> to first base. Uh, you know, like uh, you know he, um, <clears throat> like you know, I I think that uh, I I really I think that Kane, those players think that Kane is a big part of their team, right? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I I think that he's. He's important for them. I think he gave the players a lift. That was a huge game last night. And now we'll see, like, <laughs> this whole Pugliarvi healthy scratch situation last night, I really thought that there was a chance he was going to end up on waivers. I wondered about him. And Fogel. And Fogel. I didn't think about Ryan because Ryan's a center, mm -hmm. and teams tend to need centers. Um, I wondered about one of the two of them ending up on waivers. And... Uh, I, I'm I'm curious to see where this all goes. I looked at it as a prelude to waivers down the road. Well, I, I think there's that possibility, or they're going to try to trade him, right? And, uh, you know, like I said before, I think this is Pugliarvi's last season in Edmonton. I think he needs a break from them. I, 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 think, I think he needs a fresh start and somewhere to start over. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. 
Um, so Seattle streak is over. Yes. Although uh, our two favorites, I know you love Daniel Sprong and Vince Dunn, and they <laughs> found the back of the net yesterday for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, yeah. Looks like Josh Norris. Good news on the horizon mm-hmm. for him. Uh, skating, playing I guess on he's the line playing with tonight. Alex Debrinkit and, and Claude Drew, so we'll watch that game with uh, And Matthew, with Matthew Joseph, healthy scratch. Saw that. What's happening in Ottawa? Well, you know, I, like, this, this has been the time of the big healthy scratch. I mean, how many good players have been? Look what Washington's doing. How much of this, and we'll see this on, ask the same question about waivers. How much of this is just, you know, once upon a time you could make a trade to jolt the team. I think it has a lot to do You can't do that anymore. And so now we're seeing whether it's a waiver situation or a healthy scratch. scratch, That's the way you're sending messages. I I, I completely agree with it. I, 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 with you on that. I, I, I think you're totally right. Um, I, I, I think you are totally, totally right about that whole situation that, and and like Laviolette, he's a smart guy in Washington. That mm-hmm. that's all calculated. That's like here's a warning to all you guys. Yeah, I have spots. Someone's got to sit out. Um, you know, Harry Neal always used to tell me about Scotty Bowman. Um, his teams always played the best in the first ten minutes because the players knew if you didn't show Bowman anything in the first ten minutes, yeah, you're going to be stapled to the bench. And that's kind of what Laviolette's doing. He's saying, look, I have to scratch a good player. If you're not going to perform, mm-hmm. you're sitting. And I completely agree with you. Uh, so what did he think last night then? His team drops a tough one of the Minnesota that Wild. That was a good game, it was a good, it was a really good game. Yeah, and that's a good team. It was a good game. You know, one of the things that I, I, I think, you know, perked up years is the idea of Bo Horvat. I I got to tell you, I, I think there's, there's a lot. I, I don't know where this is going to go, but... There's a lot of teams I look like. I, I I agree with you. I think he'd be perfect for Washington. But you know what? I think he'd be perfect for uh, Minnesota. That's what I'm getting at. Like, I think you, he'd be perfect th- for Boston. Threw that out there. I think Bo- I, I, you know, I wonder- and I'll tell you, I, I still think he'd be perfect for Seattle. They've exceeded expectations, and they need someone else in the middle. And I there's think, more. I think we've always— You've got them going to Edmonton. Or Colorado. I think, I think Edmonton is the more longer. I think Edmonton to me looks in, and again, this is from one conversation with someone on Saturday mm-hmm. who speculated that, you know, we don't know what the future of someone like Leon Dreisaitl would be in Edmonton. Um, Bo Horvat, who's an elite level center, we all believe would be willing to go there and happy to go there. He's quite comfortable playing in a significant Canadian market. They really all are, but he's quite comfortable playing in a Canadian market. Some guys shy away from that, not mm-hmm. Bo Horvat, so it does make sense on a long-term play. Cap, of course, an issue there. I think we've all, I'm even, you know, going back to last season, married Vancouver and Colorado. Last season, maybe about a JT Miller deal. This year, about a, you know, potential Bo Horvat deal. But I, I do think long-term, too, I think you have to throw Philadelphia in the mix as well if you're looking at, okay, short-term, where do you see him? Like you guys talked about last night, where do you see him short-term, where do you see him long-term? I think Philly could be an option. Well, I'll tell you somewhere else I could see him long-term if it gets to that is Columbus. Columbus. And by the way, thank you for all of you who texted me to to point out that uh, Francois Saint Laurent threw out Paul Maurice in a game in 2016. <laughs> people are on it. Man. Yeah, they're on it. People are, uh, people are, are, on, on it. Are, uh, are, are very much on top of it. Um, anything more from all of this, or you want to be released? I'm going to talk to Bean Pettinger here in a couple of well, seconds. I'm also going to, well, I think people want to hear uh, more from him than me. That's number one on, on a lot of different topics. 
but also Kent Hughes. We're looking for. I'm just for about to tweet out the uh, link. So send the link out. So <laughs> yeah. Kent Hughes, general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, is doing the uh, the uh, the State of the Union halfway through the season for the Montreal Canadiens, and that was real nice by the Habs yesterday. Yes. Um, and I'll be curious to see what what Hughes says. And, you know and how far you know along he rooting, thinks they are. You know who was rooting for the Habs last night? Who's that? David Amber, because he he was like, "This will ruin your interview." So he was he was cheering <laughs> for it. Great teammate that David Amber. Yeah, we're interviewing Connor Hellebuck a little bit later on. Elliot and I, so get him in a nice sour mood. I brought in some props, by the way. You did. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but I brought in a couple of props. When we release the interview on the video, you'll see what they are. I hope this goes better than my son's guitar went with Jordan Everly that he couldn't <laughs> Try to tune get it properly. Tuned. Yes, <laughs> it was inspired by that though. Mm. But it's a it's a piece of my history. Uh, my history about uh, about hockey books and hockey goaltending. Nice. And I want to get his his thoughts on both of these things because Do you have Jaguar's book. Uh, I don't have Jaguar's. I book. should have brought it in. I would if you would have told me. I would have. Uh, I would have loved that. No, this is this is in the wayback machine. My stuff is from like seventy two and seventy four. Like yeah, like this, this. The spines on these have been like well cracked. Anyhow, um, enjoy your afternoon. I will see you at a downtown hotel in a couple of hours. Yes. Have a great rest of your show.